sunlit world of what he believes to be reality. But there is, unseen by most, an underworld, a place that is just as real, but not as brightly lit. A dark side. What's up and welcome back to Talks from the Dark Side, the uh, episodic show where we talk about the episodic uh, horror television show from the 80s, Tales from the Dark Side, uh, created by George Romero and Richard Rubenstein. Today we got for you Episode 9, A Case of the Stubborns, directed by Gerald Cotta, with an original story by Robert Block, and the teleplay is by James Houghton, or Houghton. I think it's Houghton. Houghton. And the original air date was December 2nd, 1984. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor. Oh, God. Put him in a box, please, McGraw. And I'm Chris Barr. So. <laughs> Yuck. So, yeah, right off, the, right off the bat here, we got to say this is like after the f- last few episodes. Yeah. It's like we're totally going in a different direction here with this episode. This is the sharpest left I've seen the show take so far. Oh, man. <laughs> it, this is like this is like the full introduction of kind of well, I think the next episode is is a is the full introduction of like the the comedy element to this series. Along with the comedy, this is the hardest like sharp turn into like let's just be gross i've seen so far (laughs) yeah yeah i kind of love it the big thing i want to talk about this i mean this episode's great and i and i do like it a lot but the biggest thing for me for this episode is that the original story was written by robert block and i actually didn't know that until i went to rewatch it for this episode me too and i'm like i had no idea i was like are you kidding me so why yes Joe, did you prepare some Robert Block's facts? Why, yes, I did, guys. Good, because I have no idea who he is. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of a little movie called Psycho. Ah, okay. <laughs> I I what? I don't know what that is. Joe's over here slapping sheets of paper. I've got facts. Well, I kind of do. I and I and I want to talk about him in a in a big way because he was one of H.P. Lovecraft's contemporaries and kind of um I don't want to say protege. I think that's a not the right word to use, but he did help him a lot. Pet, pen pals. Pen pals. Yeah, he H.P. Lovecraft kind of guided him when he first started writing. Um, he was big into weird tales. Robert Block, um, the magazine that, of course, Lovecraft was published in, um, and the one of the first stories that he read from Lovecraft was Pickman's Model, and that kind of like set him in motion. And he was like, I want to write strange fiction. Um, he would correspond with Lovecraft and Lovecraft would like give him tips on his writing and stuff like that. And um, he, Lovecraft actually invited him to be a part of his writing club that also that included, you know, August Derleth and Robert Barlow and Clark Ashton Smith and, and a few other guys. And Robert Block started writing like in high school. And when he was a teenager, he in, in I think it was in like the 1927, I believe he uh, he writes three stories. He writes the Lilies. Um, and two others, and they all get, he sends them into weird tales, and they all get rejected, right? Um, so he graduates high school, and then he submits The Feast in the Abbey and The Secret in the Tomb, and then those were his two first, uh, stories published, uh, by Weird Tales magazine. And he was, uh, he was actually 17 
at that time. Shit. Yeah, isn't that that's insane? So he was like just starting out. Like Robert Block, like coming up is such a weird kind of turn of the century guy, right? Because here he is corresponding with Lovecraft right near the end of Lovecraft's demise, like right at the end of his life. And then kind of being able to, you know, it's kind of like the Ed Wood Bela Lugosi thing almost, right? In in terms of like, here is like a juggernaut of that age, even though he wasn't recognized as such then, but uh, in the public eye, um, you know, Robert Block was kind of, you know, he was, he, he was, Lovecraft was his hero, and he like, and Block was so young at the time that he carries all the way into the 60s and 70s and, the, and even the 80s and the early 90s, which is fucking nuts to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like when you think Lovecraft, you think like, you know, 20s and 30s, and then here it is like crossing over with Robert Block somehow? Like, everybody's dead that knows him, right? <laughs> yeah. People only envision Lovecraft having been alive for, like, ten specific vague years, I guess, and they just ignore yeah. the entire <laughs> I, that fact that, like, he lived how, like, what, he's 50, 60 when he died? I, I don't, uh, I should know that off the top of my head, and I do not, but I know that he dies when Robert Block is 20, and it completely devastates him because, you know, that was like his uh, his mentor, you know, almost like a father figure. It's funny because they were friends, so Lovecraft, uh, the the character of Robert Blake in Haunter of the Dark is based, uh, is like an, homo- uh, an homage to Robert Block, which I thought was pretty crazy. Another little like fun fact, you know, with this story, it's like Lovecraft never mentioned anyone else outside of, you know, the characters in his stories and things like that. Yeah. So with uh yeah with the haunter in the dark this is the only story he ever dedicated to someone else and it was to Robert Block. That shows like how much they had together here. Yeah, they were very very close. Um and again, it, you know, Lovecraft never I mean he had a wife but he never had any kids or anything. I feel like maybe that was kind of I don't know what he was getting to the end of his life. Maybe, you know, cause he passes all his stuff on and he has August or left continue his work. But like, again, maybe block is kind of that like son that he never had. Maybe. I don't know. Who could say, who could say, I, I don't know. Let's ask Lovecraft. <laughs> Let's dig him up. Oh, we got a, we got a couple things. To ask him. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of finger wagon going on. Yeah. Even the cat was left out of this, wasn't left out of this, sir. <laughs> Bad. So in the 60s, he pops off uh, uh, with the novel Psycho, and obviously Alfred Hitchcock picks it up. But it's so funny because Alfred Hitchcock is just like, I don't, I don't, you, I just want the story. You're don't, you're not gonna do anything. I'm. <laughs> see, see, droopy D. What is that? I don't know. Fucking fat man. I don't know. I'm so upset. I'm so sad. I'm Alfred Hitchcock, director of the birds. <laughs> I'm Alfred Hitchcock presents. Anyway, bo- 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 anyway, uh, yeah, he the, um the birds guy, the birds guy. <laughs> <laughs> he takes his story and he, and he makes it into a movie, and obviously it's a successful movie. When he when when Psycho when the rumblings of Psycho two started popping up again, Robert Block submits his screenplay for Psycho two, and they just turn it down. <laughs> They're just like, no, we're not doing this. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was like he just he was like the guy. No, 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 no. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that how fucked up is that? Because he didn't even write the screenplay for Psycho. It was somebody else. Yeah, they just took his ideas and 
he's like, oh, thanks, but we're going to do all this to it. Like, Hitchcock read the novel and, like, was like, this is an idea that I'm going to steal. Bye. Here's ten grand. Go fuck yourself. I won't even change the name. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think when they got that script originally, whoever was producing it was like, oh, man, this is the person that wrote the first Psycho? Oh, this has got to be a banger. And they start, like, leafing through and they're like, well, this isn't really... This isn't really that good. What the fuck? And then they realize what it actually is. So like, ah, son of a bitch! Like right in the garbage can. I, I think it was Universal, right? A Universal joint. Yeah, it was I, it was a Universal joint? Um, <laughs> officially. I mean, he's he's very notarized for Psycho, but uh, you know, he doesn't do. He writes two sequels to Psycho. He writes Psycho Two and then Psycho House, uh, which are like have nothing to do with the movies, and they're like his own thing, kind of like um the Jeff Lindsay Dexter thing. And uh, he ends in the seventies. He writes for Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, and Journey to the in- Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> I'm fucking tired. Shut up. It's, it's staying in. <laughs> Star Trek and some episodes of Journey to the Unknown, um, which was like a Hammer's TV series, like Hammer Films or Amicus. Uh, I guess. I guess. I guess it's Amicus and and Hammer. Whatever. Um, he becomes the president of the Mystery Writers of America, and uh, he publishes American Gothic, which is a uh, novel inspired by H.H. H. Holmes and like the true life events of H.H. H. Holmes. And then in the 80s, here he is. He's writing for Tales from the Unexpected, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and uh, Tales from the Dark Side. So he writes uh, this episode, A Case of the Stubborns. He writes Beatles and Everybody Needs a Little Love. And his last two publications were a direct sequel to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde called Jekyll, The Jekyll Legacy. That sounds like some cinematic universe shit. And, uh, that last Psycho novel, uh, Psycho House. And then there was, like, something published posthumously, but, uh, but yeah, that was the last one that he, uh, published. Yeah, he was going for a while in his career. And, uh, there's also, um, I know, I feel like every episode of this, we have a crossover with monsters. Yeah. But yeah, he did a couple of those. Oh, yes, he did. You're right. Yeah, he did, uh, let's see, he did Reaper, Mannequins of Horror, and The Legacy. Yes, 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 Mannequins of Horror is so good. I can't wait to talk about that one. I think, I think, uh, Mannequins of Horror is based on The Mannequins, like, one of his earlier short stories, I think. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think most of them were, like, pulled from stuff he's done, and then somebody was like, oh, let's, let's just tweak it a little bit. So, scoot right along real quick. We got Ger- Gerald Cotta directing this under the name Jerry Smith, and he's done a, a few other Tales from the Dark Side episodes and Monsters. Um, what he's, he's got Lost Prophet under his belt, A Choice of Dreams, and Heretic from Tales from the Dark Side, and he's got uh, Portrait of the Artist, Parents from Space, and New York Honey for Monsters, which I love all of those episodes. <laughs> and you can't help but laugh at like all the crossover here between Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters. I know, man. It, it's like just... You know, again, every episode, it's like there's someone in that other production. It's the Richard Rubenstein kind of like, I don't know, pool of people, I guess. Yeah. It's a it's a small Rolodex. Yeah. And James James uh, Houghton, or Houghton, however the fuck you say his name, uh, he also wrote Anniversary Dinner and A Choice of Dreams. And he's also an actor, dude. He's fucking Reverend, Reverend uh, Thompson in Superstition. Oh, no way. Yeah. And uh, he's the dad in Purple People Eater. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love that shitty movie, dude. So here's the uh, official quote-unquote Fangoria synopsis. Grandpa Tolliver, an obstinate old curmudgeon, <laughs> refuses to accept the fact that he has died. As the cantankerous coot steadily decays into a hideous zombie, Grandpa's dismayed family desperately seeks a cure to no avail. 
A voodoo woman's special sneezing powder finally helps convince grandpa of his condition. <laughs> so it's like, all right, you got the whole story there. Wow. Yeah. How dare they put that reveal in there? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the end of the episode and it's not a special sneezing powder. Yeah. That's kind of weird. I mean, yeah, maybe they're giving it away a little bit, but they at least don't give it all the way away. Man, they bring you like the end. They go, no more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you take the last couple words off the sentence. The first two sentences I think can be like, you know. That's the uh, that's our plot synopsis. Yes. They should have never fucking included anything that have to do with the reveal of the end of the episode. Like, what? Yeah. You can sum this episode up as like, hey, Grandpa, die. And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's pretty much, there it is. Yeah, Connor's got Connor's got the synopsis. God dang it, I don't want to die. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And essentially, that's all it is. I want my grits and my eggs and my fucking bacon. Like, get it out for me. I want my collard greens and and catfish heads. That's my favorite dish. This motherfucker's hanging out with Gramps, (laughs) P.S. Well, we all know who this is, right? Titus Tolliver's played by Eddie Bracken. And uh, welcome back to the show. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Duncan himself. Two turtle doves. Oh my god! You know he. Uh, I knew I looked. I knew he. Looked, I knew I knew his face. He had those trials and tribulations after Home Alone uh, two that got him stuck in the uh, veterans' home and Baby's Day Out. Yeah, he owned that baseball team for a little while in Rookie of the Year before he went and went into that home. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. After uh, after he gets out of the home, I guess maybe the. Uh, his relatives didn't want to pay for it anymore. He was just being such a pain in the ass. They got rid of him. He's back home. He's dead, and he doesn't want to go in the grave. <laughs> they, they dumped him in the country. <laughs> what if the turtle dove like thingamajigs are actually like cursed items? Whoever has one of each of them will just live forever. Like, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I think if you go back to some of those old episodes where I think Baby's Day Out or the uh, you know Home Alone Four episode, I think we talk about that actually. It all checks out. Two turtle doves. I ain't gonna die. Y'all won't let me die. <laughs> God dang it, I ain't gonna die. There's gotta be some sort of mashup you could do here. Oh yeah. I mean Chris again. With uh yeah, Home Alone Two, Baby's Day Out and like this footage. Him rocking on the porch. Yeah, but- <laughs> Chris, I know we are t- this is talks from the dark side, but this is still some heavy duty movie dumpster universe, you know, MDU shit. Yeah. There- there's no escaping it. But uh I love throughout this uh episode the way they do this makeup because every time yeah. it comes back to grandpa, he's looking more deteriorated, more gross, more more like Body melt esque or or Return of the Living Dead esque. The, yeah, the corpse makeup towards the end of this is really spectacular, and um, I love the way they I, I I love the way they do him up in the beginning because he's supposed to be dead, so he's got like there's like Mortician's makeup all over him and stuff, so he looks like he's all fucking dolled up and ready to go. Yeah, he's changing colors. He looks horrifying from the word go. He comes there. He comes downstairs, and I was like, oh no, he's dead. Oh, dude, he looks like a Muppet, man. <laughs> You know what he looks like, actually? You know one of those little, like, stress balls that people grab with the fucking little head man with the, the, <laughs> the eyeballs shoot out? Kinda. But lest we forget, uh, you know, Chris had to spoil this fucking shit last episode, but uh, <laughs> we got another star in the making here. Oh, yeah, Christian Slater. He's 15 in this joint. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I could not believe how young he looked. I was like, no fucking way is that Christian Slater. And then like, he is staring off into the sunset the entire time in this. He's not bad. He's fine. I mean, this is like one of the first things he was in. I, it's it's more the novelty of having a young Christian Slater more than anything because he doesn't really do much. Nah, he's just kind of there. It's just like, oh yeah, look who it is. Grandpa be dead. No. Yeah, he's just kind of like staring at Grandpa, giving him the old like Larry David, like, you know, 10 yard stare. Like, <laughs> all right, Grandpa. Whatever you say, you're not dead. Okay. Doing this, like, southern accent. Like, he's struggling to, like, say the the southern words in that (laughs) vernacular. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I feel like a lot of the script, too, it's like a lot of it, like, was like, that's just a lot of the things they said was, uh, you could tell, was just written by someone that thought it was funny. Oh, yeah. And it's like, but trying to say it out loud, it's like, wait. It's like, uh, betwixt, or, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but c- coming back to Block, I mean, you you read Lovecraft, so do I. And, like, it, you know, Lovecraft loves to write his characters, like, how they talk, like, like phonetically. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of that, like, vernacular, is, it just came out as, maybe it's just the actors. It, it could be, you know. <laughs> it's just the way they read it, yeah. Like, like, it reminds me of, like, the the old drunk guy in uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth, and the way he, like, talks in that. Like when you read it and you're like, Jesus Christ, I got to read this again and then like say it out loud. Yeah. It's easy to easier to read than it is to uh, say out loud. Yeah. I, I do like this one element of this episode that is very, uh, maybe the words underplayed or, you know, it's window dressing. Maybe it, it doesn't have like a distinct like time period that it's in. Like you can kind of assume it's in the 80s, the time it's being made, but everyone outside of Christian Slater, who's just kind of wearing a black, you know, uh, funeral suit the entire time, is kind of dressed like as if they're living, you know, in old-time America. Uh, It's definitely 1800s. Sean, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, inside you're like this could be anywhere they blow doors open you're like grapes of wrath what the fuck like (laughs) yeah i don't know christian slater's suit kind of throws it off a little bit but otherwise yeah it's definitely like late 1800s early 1900s for sure yeah because you don't see any you don't see any cars or anyone mentioning no you know any sort of technology they're definitely down in the south especially like grandpa's got that heavy accent Oh, yeah, they might even be in the Carolinas. I think they, they mention the name of the town they're in, and I forget that might be in the, one of the Carolinas. But it's so fun to hear them, t- especially the way they talk. Like, nobody fucking talks like that, and not even in the 80s. Like that. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like the 1880s, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's also every single person has that same drawn-out divine speech. Like, Well, especially fucking Brent Spiner, dude. Oh, my God, let's talk about him now, this fucking reverend. Coming in with his fucking more hair that i've ever seen him have oh he's great in this man he and and like uh tng is happening like you know like a year later a couple years later right what is that 87 well yeah just about right yeah because i was watching some interviews with him and he was like yeah you know what uh yeah, it was a great gig, but I was more into, like, I love Lucy. I was into the comedy shows. So, like, you can kind of see that in this. Like, he is hamming it up hardcore. Oh, he always loves it. I mean, even, like, his performance in, like, Master Disguise and shit. You know what I mean? Like... Oh, God. He's in that? Yeah, if he's not playing Data, he's, like, playing some goofy screwball, you know? Even this Reverend character is like, Oh, you taught us. Yeah, you did, and you gotta go up to the heavens with the, with the flying angels or whatever. Yeah, you, you can just tell everyone was having a good time here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, dude, when he takes that fucking swig of moonshine... <laughs> yeah, over-exaggerated and everything. <laughs> 
my favorite part of this is when Brett Spiner is like, you're dead, go to heaven. And he Grandpa goes, no, you. And then, like, that's it. That's all. <laughs> if, it's, yeah, if it's so great, why don't you go yourself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they have this fucking literal jug of alcohol. And like you guys are saying, fucking Brett Spiner grabs it out of, uh, out of mom's hand and just chugs it down. And <laughs> just, like, he walks off and he comes back and he grabs the jug and leaves with it. And... <laughs> Grandpa's so happy with every small verbal victory he has over everyone. He's always like, ha, got him. Like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's having a conniption. And then he does that like dry ass laugh after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how after he eats breakfast, he's like, uh, he gets up and, and mom and Christian Slater are like, where are you going, Grandpa? He's like, get, get an old coot, you know, go out on his porch and digest his food. And he's sitting out there and this motherfucker's like turning yellow and flies are coming off him and like his, the left side of his face is melting and he's like, oh, what's, what? Oh, I'm not dead. Oh, God, it's gross. <laughs> it's like, what? He's he's always like making this, he's always smacking his lips too. He's like, <laughs> yeah. God dang it, Addy. Give me some lemonade or whatever. That's actually, that's my favorite grandpaism. Yeah. It's like that chewing thing he just keeps yeah. doing with his lips. It's like, ah. I mean, by the time we get to this final dinner scene, his face looks like a fucking pound of ground beef that's just been hammered into smithereens. Oh, he looks great, man. Like, again, like the makeup looks so good. Yeah, and is that bone showing on his face, too? <laughs> It sure seems like it. Yeah, there's there's like green shit coming out of the side of his head. He's just turning to mush. It's great. Like, he he looks like a goddamn Muppet. And the whole time, like, he just keeps getting more decomposing, more decomposing. Like, rigor mortis is setting in, and he's walking like a fucking tin soldier up the stairs and shit. <laughs> I love that. There's that one comment from someone, it's the mom or Christian Slater is like, oh yeah, something's, there's something foul around here. And, so, and one of them's like, you know what it is. It's fucking grandpa. Like he's, he's decaying upstairs. <laughs> it ain't my cooking. It's grandpa. <laughs> I love the rigor mortis setting in though, because he's got the cane and everything. And everyone's like, hey, how you moving around? And he's like, a little stiff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like Christian Slater's just like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm fixing to go fucking voodoo lady's house and she's gonna give me a potion that's exactly what he says too oh yeah right on the money yeah spooky holla or, or spooky holler is what it's called yeah i was not expecting this to be like i know what to do a voodoo priestess like that seems so <laughs> out of nowhere for this you're already damn dead holly yeah we're not in louisiana well and like it's i think it's, that's extra funny because there's already supernatural goings on here that no one even stops to question they're like grandpa please be dead and he's like i don't want to like stubborn stubborn old man like <laughs> well brett spiner's pretty upset yeah he's like what are you are you a haint and he's like oh, god dang it i ain't no haint and oh yeah the fucking doctor comes to like examine just real quick the doctor comes to examine him he's like you ain't got a heartbeat and here's your fucking death certificate and titus is like you know i can't read he's like it'll stand up in any court and he goes, well, it's a hit fire. I was so will I. <laughs> so the Brett Spiner, he goes to this voodoo woman and, you know, they're trying to play it up like it's every stereotype in the book. But instead, she's super nice. Shocker. It's Haggis. And she's just like, yeah, here you go. Take some fucking pepper. But dude, she is like the 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 swap of Charnetsky, right? She's like the brown witch. 
right? <laughs> the actual, like, good one. Who knows what she's doing? She's extra competent. Yeah, she's like, yeah, whatever. I, I remember your grandpatitis. Me and him had a wild night a long time ago. Well, he, oh, I got it. I got it here. Here's some black pepper. Oh, GVD's cosplaying again. Oh, man, she's got that Southern Belle accent going. <laughs> they already booked Carol Kane for a different different episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't know what this whole element of her being like, yeah, we fucked before like adds to it at all but okay and she just says he's as stubborn as a mule or whatever and she's like oh it must be titus because i knew that when he was gonna die he wouldn't really die anyway here's some strong black pepper i hope you figure it out kiddo <laughs> well he does because he goes home and he sets it up and, and mom's watching him pour it all over this fucking napkin she's like are you sure that's what you're supposed to do he's like that's what she said Okay. He just rags him. He just throws it over his face like, Honey, shit took you for a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You spent all of our savings on some black pepper? And magic beans. Boy, I'm fixing to give you a beating. (laughs) As long as you get rid of that zombie, I guess I'll let it slide this time. You don't get any catfish heads for dinner. No supper for you. We should have just done the whole episode like this. (laughs) It's like, because that's that's essentially what everyone else did in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Just trying to, like, one-up each other with her accent. You're going to have to go sleep with Grandpa on the hide of bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking of Grandpa from Terrorvision poking his head out of the fucking blanket. <laughs> I'm just taking care of business. <laughs> Boy, I'm just taking care of business. <laughs> um, so so he puts the, the black pepper in Grandpa's napkin, and napkin's like, well, I'm starving. Fill up this plate with those fish heads or whatever. And he's like, and Christian says, he's like, oh, Gramps, you got something on your chin there. And he's like, oh, no, thank you, boy. And he like fucking picks up his napkin and the pepper goes all over the place. And he's like, here, Bobby, here, my father, fever. And he fucking sneezes his nose off into his napkin. And you don't actually see it right away. It's great. You know, it's like, it's not totally clear what he actually sneezed up. Then he's like, well, all right. Yeah, all right. That's proof that I'm dead. It just walks upstairs. <laughs> I'm going to head out. Yeah. All right. I'm going to head out. No fool like an old fool. Yeah, and then you, that's the final shot is looking in the fucking disgusting snot napkin of the nose. <laughs> there's like snot and his nose. In, <laughs> it's gross. And there's like the little things from the fucking strainer in there too. The little white worms and shit. Like, oh man, it's gross. Little nose goblins. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he he just uh, you know Titus uh, um, goes upstairs and finally lays himself to rest. Does he die now, or does he just lay down and just, he's like, I guess I'll just keep talking to myself until I rot into nothing. Like, when does his consciousness... No, he'll come back for dessert. (laughs) When does his consciousness cease? I saw you make that peach cobbler. I'm not dying yet. (laughs) Addy, you know I love that cobbler. Grandpa accepting death but not leaving the house is the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard because he just just stays there and just turns into a puddle of goop like I would have I would have yeah he's just gonna fucking fester in the in the upstairs but like he's I'll leave you alone now clean me up in a couple months yeah they wrap it up pretty quick at the end it's just like you know he sneezes into the napkin he's like all right that's it goes upstairs (laughs) and then shows the napkin credits it's like you know I thought there was gonna be a little more uh you know them talking or like kind of discussing a little bit more but that's kind of it. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and, and Titus, uh, I guess, goes to sleep upstairs until he putrefies. I would set that fucking bed on fire. 
He he turns to his grandson and says, "Good night, Christian." I'm I'm Christian, Grandpa. Good night. He's already like he's already melting. Yeah, and he just he's like, "Oh, just go upstairs, and uh, now it's your problem." But yeah, so uh, so what do we all think of this episode? This is, I think, my favorite one so far. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> this episode's fucking crazy. It just it's there's no nuance to anything. It's just this really gross idea that they run for a couple miles with, and then they're just like, "All right, here's a gross gag." All right, no fuck off, like. <laughs> Wasn't that crazy? Bye. I think it's written really, I mean, as as silly as some of the, uh, again, like as some of the vernacular is like, I think it's written really well and it and it, and it knows exactly what it's doing. That's why I admire it. It's, yeah. It's, really, it's just really gross. And uh, Mr. Duncan's fucking great. I think I, it, like his acting alone and then like when you pair him up with like the guy who plays the doctor or Brent Spiner's character, it's hilarious um, <laughs> when they when they're going at toe to toe with each other. Just the dude's manner, like Mr. Duncan's mannerisms, and and just like um, all, all his one-liners are just delivered so fucking good. I also love that whenever someone's like, "Grandpa, you're dead," he's like, "Well, guess what? Your mother's ugly," or something like that. Like he just resorts to petty insult throwing and just to dunk on everybody he sees. <laughs> it's great because <laughs> he's an ornery old guy. Yeah, the grandpa like really makes this episode. Oh, totally. And it's like, yeah, again, like everything's sort of like exaggerated, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you tell everyone just having fun. And that's uh, it's a fun episode because this one it's like you know, considering the story, this could have gone a totally different direction. Yeah, but uh, you know they kept it lighthearted and fun, and uh, it's a fun one to watch. Yeah, the concept's great too. Like I love the idea of like this guy being so fucking stubborn that he like died the night before and then just wakes up the next morning ready to eat breakfast. <laughs> oh yeah, he wants breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, and then, and then upset that he doesn't have a plate. Hell of a thing. Anyway, on to the next day. <laughs> yeah. Where's my dang plate? Fill it up, boy. Put the eggs and the sausage on there. Grandpa's turning into a hobbit today. I'm getting every meal I can until they put me in the ground. Second breakfast. Here I come. And what does he say on the porch? I was trying to remember. When he's on his chair, he's like, can't a man just rock a tear in peace? Oh, he goes, can't, can't a man just rock a fire in the comfort of his own porch or some shit? Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a good one. Uh, you know, not my favorite by any stretch, but there was a lot of really funny moments in this, and there wasn't as many, like, uh, like, like there wasn't a lot of parts where you're really sitting there trying to figure shit out. It was just like, got to kind of roll with it. The story's kind of telling itself, uh, and it works really well in this uh, particular one. And, uh, yeah, again, old man Duncan, always good to see him and stuff, <laughs> uh, especially when I could start connecting dots. Sure. And also, especially coming off of, you know, the previous couple episodes, it's like, this was a nice, you know, transfer breathing room. Oh, yeah. Definitely less serious. You know, because we're coming off of, like, some real heavy episodes. Yeah, did a full 180, especially after... Um even like even like WordPress Essence or the Gods is is I mean there are some funny parts to it there is humor to it but overall it's taken pretty seriously yeah that's a pretty dark one too it, it is dark at the end of the day but uh but this one is like yeah it's like here have a laugh you deserve it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you earned it caramels I love caramels this is uh this was their way to to apologize for the next episode <laughs> oh <laughs> man. We will get to that. We will get to that. But my goodness, uh, yeah, I'm gonna save my comments for that until we get to that episode. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just a it's just a fun one. It's lighthearted. It's always it's always fun to, to pop on, and it's never one of the ones you skip, right? Or not pay attention to. You're always looking up at this one if it's on in the background. Yeah, it's good for a laugh, and uh, yeah, definitely worth the watch. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That was uh, a case of the stubborns. But until next time. 
I'm Joel Lascola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. And I'm Chris Barr. Until next time, boy. Until <laughs> we be good now. Be good, Jordy. I'll go be dead now. That's fine. <laughs>